I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This week's Routine Checkup, we're joined by Laurel and Brendan Brady, the brother-sister filmmaking duo and creators of the award-winning comedy drama short film, Chronic. Let's talk about it. so excited for this conversation not only because we get to talk about something interesting which is like every fucking week right um but also we're talking to a couple of pals from back in the day back in my my theater school days um, hot diggity damn right <laughs> I, I mean we, we, we weren't in the same we weren't in the same school but um but uh laurel and brendan who we're, we're, we're chatting with today were they were uh they were classmates schoolmates with my uh my my high school sweetheart katie mccullough mm-hmm. That's right. Sweet old Caitlin McCullough. Sweet old Kate. Sweet old firecracker Kate. Uh, I feel like I have to say that. Sweet old. You got to Katie McCullough. I'm sure sure she loves being called old three times. (laughs) Old, old Katie McCullough. Katie is 87 years old. I'm telling you right right now, she literally, she literally looks the same way she did when I asked her out when she was 15. (laughs) that, that, uh, That woman does not age. Um, but uh, they went to school with Katie. And so I got to meet them from like, you know, traveling up to York University from Ryerson and meeting the, the you know, the, the, the same kin that I was going to school with, but just up uh, a little further north at a different university. And fast forward to present day, uh, they're still in the industry, still doing the work, putting together really amazing stuff. And the three of us had, a, had the pleasure of spending a few moments of our morning this morning watching their latest um, comedy drama short film, Chronic, which is going to be on YouTube today or tomorrow. What is the date today as this releases? Uh, This is (laughs) January 31st. It's today. You can go watch it right now on YouTube. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Look at the timing of that. We're recording this before Christmas. Um, <laughs> I was, I was like, I was wondering when it actually, like, I was like, is it today? Today? Yeah, which is it day? today yeah. when this today comes in out? the future? What is uh, it? But uh, I was looking to Laurel and Brendan. I'm like, do they know what day I, today is? I was like, I was panicking. I was like, do we say? Do we say what day? The great thing is that today is any day that people are listening to this podcast. That's, That's right. Beautiful. That's yeah. right. That's, That's right. the beauty of an evergreen conversation. This yes. could be. Listening Listen to this in 2093, and uh, the aliens are running the country, but you can still probably watch it on YouTube. Um, Shout out to the person who's listening in 2093 right now. I just want to say, I see you. Totally. (laughs) Totally. 
Yeah, not, they're just in not a pod. with your eyes. They're just in a they're just in yeah. a wet pod. Oh my yeah. god, we're, I I knew this. But, I knew this conversation was going to be like this. Is off the fucking rails. We're already we're too. No, but it's it, it's important. I want to say to them one zero zero one one zero zero. This is the language of twenty ninety three. Laurel, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, please for 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 the guys here and for for all the listeners. Uh, and for that uh, that hybrid alien uh, human hybrid that's listening, <laughs> uh, give a little introduction. Let us know who you guys are. Oh, okay, Sweet. yeah. Um, so we're a brother sister filmmaking duo in this context. Um, not like the Pornhub variety, but like no. legit. <laughs> oh, yeah, not not, not stepsis, yes. step siblings. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely not. Just yeah. um, really wanting to puke in this exact moment, but no, not that. Um, yeah, in the most true sibling way, <laughs> we are just you know normal non Game of Thrones siblings. <laughs> and um, yeah, we um. We obviously like I have our own careers and stuff like that, but Brendan and I have had the the joy of collaborating multiple times together. And yeah, our latest comedy drama, Chronic, is yeah the the latest Irish twins film, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And are you Irish twins? Yeah. So so Laurel was three months premature. I don't know why I'm telling your story, but um, <laughs> so I was born in October, 1988 and Laurel was born in July, 1989 and she was three months premature. So we are really, truly Irish twins. Yeah. What the fuck is Irish twins? Uh, Irish twins is when Irish twins refers to one mother having two children who are born 12 months or less apart. Oh, wow. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, right. It's a slur against our people, but it's okay. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Right. If you're Irish, then it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you guys. Um, I mean, so I guess, I guess to get into this before we, before we kind of unpack Chronic, uh, yeah. which, which, congratulations, by the way, it's, it's, it's a delightful little watch. Thank you. One thing, though, I will say this. One thing I fucking love about uh, short film. Is that there is, I mean, if it's a good short film, there is all the fat is just trimmed out of it. It is just like every single line, every single moment, every beat is pushing the story forward. And it is so important to like keep that thing so trim. And uh, it just makes for watching short film really fun. I just, I fucking love it. But anyway, aside from that, um, let's get into what. Uh, what spurred the movie? What what was the you know what was the impetus? What was the the inspiration to tell this story of a young woman living with chronic pain and the struggles that ensue from her social life? Yeah. Um. So I actually had a brain injury and then result like a lot of chronic pain in my neck and back from like whiplash. Um, in 2019 from a work-related accident, which doesn't sound funny. The short is actually has humor in it. So this is a sort of depressing way into the story. But um, I sort of spent a long time on bed rest, not being able to write or focus or concentrate. And I kind of spent those times, those months and months and months in bed, just being like, oh my God, this experience is so shitty and so painful. And um but also like there was darkly funny elements. And I think that just like, as a person, I find uh, so, sort of, I don't know. I, I like to laugh at like the horrible things in life. I don't know, maybe I'm just like a dark person, but um, 
it really helps me. And I ended up writing a TV pilot, which was sort of very directly my own experience, a work-related accident. And I showed it to Brendan and he really jived with it because he has his own experiences. I'll let Brendan speak about that. But um, yeah, and he said, he was like, why don't we try to make this into a short film to prove that we can make something about chronic pain and disability that sort of impacts people, but is also funny. Mm. And yeah, Brendan, I don't know if you want to speak about. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think what was interesting too is like watching your sister go through this horrible experience and she, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, Laurel, but she had just finished um, a residency at the Canadian film center. For those of you not in the film and TV business, it's like the preeminent film school in Canada. And Laurel was one of five writers who had gotten into this program. And it's supposed to be like the moment where you're launching into your career. And literally within months of finishing this, she had this injury and was completely taken out of being able to work for I think six to eight months um, before she could even look at a computer so as for sibling when she brought this to me just to read it I would I just wanted to also be a part of her journey of like getting back on the horse of getting Mm. to get to work again Mm. Um, and the other thing is it's so hard for writers more than you know similar to actors unless you get a whole bunch of people together to actually do your thing you're kind of writing in a vacuum it can it can you can write these pilots endlessly and never actually get anything produce anything produced so I said let's do this short film as a way for a you to have something to show people at the end of this experience but also then um, you know you can get back into this business and I think it was a really fun way for us to kind of uh, get to work together again because we hadn't been able to since Laurel um, was at the CFC. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Laurel, did, did you, um, like, something that, something that when, you, when it's like six to eight months and you have this, 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 like, you have this big layoff, you can't do, you can't be doing the things that you wanted to do. Um, like Brennan just said, you were kind of like at this point, you're supposed to kind of like launch off and then all of a sudden you get this, this detour. Um, Something that I think about and that I see in in experiences of uh, of like an, an injury or an illness is like the difference between the acute period of a, of a, of the illness or injury experience Ooh. versus the chronic one, where like mm-hmm. at uh, on the front end it's like there's a lot of concern and there's a lot of mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll, I'll I'm here to do this I'm here to help you with that, which somehow in the chronic experience of, of an injury or an illness, it's like, you just continue to kind of need that same support, but like people get bored, but people get yeah. complacent to it. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, now it's a, now it's annoying. And instead of like, yeah. bored was a joke. inspiring, I was, I was joking when I said bored, they get well, yeah, bored. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for clarifying. That you, were, <laughs> yeah. you didn't mean that right? yeah, yeah, yeah. because um, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, we've been yeah. meaning to talk to you, Brian. Yeah. We thought you were uh, nice. I, I feel like a lot of the people who listen to this show think you are an awful human being. Yeah, exactly. And so if you could just, Keep clarifying okay, that you're God. not. Okay. That would be. And great. since you and I have been doing this for 20 years, I know that you're an awful human. Being. I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying that because I was worried that I was overthinking things right. yeah, because yeah, you know, yeah, like right. I have the tendency. No, of doing you're just that, purely so. rotten. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Laurel, did like did you did you feel that that was like was that an experience that you resonate with? Like the sort of, uh, okay, get over it. Mm-hmm. Kind of vibe from some people. Totally. Totally. I think too, it's like that hard thing because 
I think it also depends on like what day it is. Cause some days I think I felt a lot of compassion for other folks who just truly didn't know what to say or they put their foot in their mouth or, you know, mm. someone makes a joke and you're just having like a soul crushing day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just, you kind of like, I had a few moments where people would just make a joke and I would just be like, ah, just like start yeah. crying. And like, obviously they felt terrible. And then sort of a, again, like 10% of my like evil side was like, you feel shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think there is that weird thing where I think it's a lot like, grief um there's like a, a period where people feel that it's justified to talk about it and um have empathy and then there seems to be whether it's conscious or not there's sort of a cutoff point where people maybe they're just like we'll get over it you know what mm-hmm. i mean no, again i don't i don't think the intention is truly that um sort of vicious place but i do think it's just like if you have never had an experience of illness or pain or anything like that, I think you just don't have an understanding of how long things can take to heal from, or maybe you're always going to be experiencing this new reality. Mm. And I think people don't understand how much of a mind fuck that is to just accept that and how that's not a linear journey. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, that totally really. makes sense. I mean, it's funny that you like you, you made the comparison to like from the, from the, perspective of the people who aren't in it experiencing Mm. it that it's it's like it's it's you know it's akin to to grief um but then what you were just saying about the experience of being in it it is that is grief that is grief, Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you're grieving the loss of the of uh, you know potentially grieving the loss of the life you once knew and now there's this now there's this new way of living that is that you know in that moment doesn't seem as easy as the way before it's like you know it's mm-hmm. like it's like the way that we've grieved I, I feel like we all kind of had experienced like a collective sort of grief um soon after covid started where it, yeah. where it became very evident like oh oh wow the the world is now never really going to be the way that it was prior to this event mm-hmm. yeah. and now we have to learn how to like navigate the world with this new lens uh, yeah. of seeing the world and and that's that is for people who have come into some sort of chronic illness or chronic disability uh you know who who weren't you know like myself I was born I was born into it it's all mm-hmm. I know right um so I don't really have a life to have grieved but there will be moments where I will grieve the time before a certain incident or whatever but for people who you know for for like yourself you're in your I don't know like like turning 30, turning 31. And then all of a sudden you, you have like a, you have a, an injury and your life shifts. That's mm-hmm. grief, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're experiencing it right then and there. I, l- yeah. I like the way Laurel that you described it as, um, that described the fact that it's not a linear journey. Mm. Um, because I think that for a lot of people who, ha- who haven't directly experienced that, it's easy to look at somebody on one day and see that they're doing, you know, fairly well and going, Oh, well, you know, tomorrow they're going to be yeah, yeah. the same. And then they're not. And like, for some people that doesn't compute, they're like, mm-hmm. well, what the fuck? You were out yesterday. So, and they don't realize, I, I, I love the, um, you know, the, the Spoonies metaphor when they talk about the spoons, like the price you pay for like, and, and I think that you captured this well in, in, in your film that the, the price that you pay for like doing something maybe the day before and how that takes a toll on you um, the next day. And, and for a lot of people that just doesn't mm. make sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can I, yeah. 
I mean, can I ask, and if this is too personal, that's that you just tell me and that's okay. But um, can what 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 was the work injury, the workplace injury that you that you experienced? Yeah, of course. No, not at all. It's not too personal. Um, it's one of those things where I've like replayed this incident so many times, and I think going back to like morning, I had to be like accidents. Like, there's a reason it's called an accident because I look back now and I'm like, why didn't I just move or why didn't I look? whatever, whatever. But I um, was working a production job and I was unloading these boxes. And then a bunch of people were standing where I was loading the boxes. So I moved over and just what was just really rushing going one, like one after the other box, box, box. And I ended up standing up with like the full force of what happens when you stand up into about five and a half inches of granite. And I struck like the soft part of my, the right side of my head. So like the force then like kind of hit my brain against the other side of my brain. So mm-hmm. oddly, like my right side definitely hurt, but a lot of my pain was actually on my mm. left side, which was like a very odd sensation. And then I have like, um, I got whiplash and just like a bunch of really hard stuff in my, sort of in my spine. Right. Um, Again, like it could have, I, I'm like trying to silver line it. I'm like, it could have been a lot worse, but it was fucking painful as you okay. can imagine. Okay. Yeah. I got a, I've got a question for you because what you just said brought something up, mm-hmm. something that we've actually talked about on the show in the past, which I'll, I will, I'll tell you about but before I do. I know where you're chair going. Tra- mm-hmm. Chair shopping. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm curious when you, yeah, when you, um, when you've obviously had the experience of telling people about this, um, mm-hmm. did you ever get the response or the feeling that the person you're telling mm. doesn't quite compute the fact that this is something that actually like fucked you up. You know, it's like, like you hear, like you hear someone, yes. you, you say, yeah. So I stood up and I hit my head and they go, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then like, and then, and then did you get hit by a car? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What do you mean? You just stood up. Like, that's it. That's there's no way that that could yeah. injure you that way. <laughs> Brent, Brendan's like, Brendan. oh, well, that was... <laughs> yeah. uh, totally, totally. And I think, I think like my natural impulse is either to downplay it and be like, ha ha ha, or right. be like, or I'd be like, imagine standing up into five and a half inches of granite. Like it is Ooh. not a forgiving fucking no, no. thing. <laughs> and also I see granite now, like, you know, when you go to people's houses and I have yeah. this like resentment towards this inanimate <laughs> like, object. <laughs> and you just immediately have to leave. You're like, I can't do this. <laughs> too much granite. <laughs> too much granite. Yeah. Well, then, there was a, we had a, we had a guy on the show. We had a guy on the show uh, earlier this year or last year. That's and, uh, and he, I mean, He's been through the ringer. The poor fucking guy is like he he really had a a, a really awful traumatic brain injury that led to mm-hmm. like I mean years a decade of just cascading issues that all had yeah. to do with his his um his cognitive ability and his brain. But the story that he told about how it happened, like I well, I could not resist laughing at just how <laughs> absurd it is, right? And and it was just simply he was like I was at Staples shopping for an ergonomic chair and the box was like under, you know, like under a, a big, like sort of yeah. scaffolding of, of metal beams. 
And I just stood up and bonked my head. And the Staples guy was, was like, a bad bonk. Whoopsie Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> and now he can and now he can only sit and um sit on um exercise balls <laughs> when he when he while, when he works. Yeah, but he, but he's we've, phobia, we've had a, we've chairs. had many we have. TBI yeah. sort of stories on this podcast where where yeah. you know another one where a police officer was texting and walking and walked into a wall. Yeah. And like oh. and yeah. and people are yeah. people like hear that story and they're like, oh wall. You know, like That's, I've stood up. I've yeah. stood up and bonked my head on a cupboard before, yeah. hidden away, where it where it hasn't had that outcome. So yeah. they they like can't really understand how it's no. possibly that bad. And I think also like we see is. professional sports uh, athletes take hits constantly. Yeah. Our film and television tells us that if you get hit, you're it's really not that bad. Like we yeah. societally do not value our brains that much right. when it comes to protecting them. Yeah. And like, honestly, I, I feel like I used to, I mean, I still think physical comedy is so funny, but yeah. I, I watch shows and movies so differently now. Like when people kind of get a, um, a concussion and people are like <laughs> the next scene, they have just like a cute bandaid and they're like, Oh, mm. You know, they have like a slight ringing. I just want to be like, go fuck yourself. That's not. Yeah, what yeah. Like. this is not yeah. how this is represented. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like when you think about like spy movies and shit, or like you know, like like the like the good spy who's like, oh, I don't kill people, but I but I knock them unconscious. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you're just but but they don't just wake up and like go, oh no, what happened? They wake up and they go. Oh no, I can't like, oh my God, I can't the, keep the lights, the lights, <laughs> the lights, fuck the lights. Like, and I can't think and I'm my, the rest of my life is fucked basically. Yeah. So you might as well have just killed them. Like yeah. be the good guy and put the bullet in the back of the head. Like, be, like, oh, come geez. on Bond. Like what, what's Bond doing? Just, just Bond is just out there just dishing out disability left, right and center yeah. for the Batman, sake of Batman yeah. is like, I never kill. I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Them for I just, time. yeah, yeah. I just completely destroy their livelihood that they have to live in that experience for the next 50 years. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious, Laurel, to like, to, to That's go into bit. like That's the, a, that would make a good, uh, that good would be a good bit. because I imagine, so the I imagine if I was the brain injury, in, in your Holy situation, Situation and, and that happened to me my initial thought would be yes. i wouldn't think that like oh this means now i'm not i'm now gonna have a traumatic brain injury and and i wouldn't know what's about to come mm -hmm. um so i'm curious like after you hit your head and started to realize that things weren't okay what did what did that experience look like oh yeah well again i think you know how just like some people process things with humor and again I don't think it was funny in the moment but looking back it's sort of ridiculous yeah yeah I I remember just hitting my head and being like oh no that was a really bad thing and then my initial response was just like okay I'm just gonna keep working and so for two minutes I tried to push the dolly and was like very disoriented and then I saw my boss and I was like oh ha 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 I hit my head and she's like oh like are you okay and then I just started crying and she was like what and I was like I think I really hit my head and I remember sitting with an ice pack while my boss was like just telling people we were going to the hospital and this really nice man and his dog came and he's like are you okay and I was really dazed and I was like I hit my head really badly and he's like do you are you did someone leave you alone and I was like no they're coming back and he's like can I take you to the hospital? And I was like, I don't think so. And he's like, 
I'm a doctor and he was very nice and, and I tried to give him my health card and he's like no 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 I, you you need to keep that for yourself. He's like I'm not an administrator. I I can't do anything with this. And yeah. in fact, I'm literally just walking my dog right now. I'm walking my dog. Yeah. And then he just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, who knows if this was real or like something that was happening. Yeah. But I got taken to the hospital. They checked me out. They were like this is the percentage that you have a brain bleed. And they also oh asked God. me, wow. yeah, like, which I, which I had like a very low percentage of a brain bleed. Um, and they also were like, did you see any fluid or anything else coming out of your ears? And I couldn't understand what they were asking. I was like, what do you mean something else? And basically they're like, well, brain matter. And I was like, what is that? Oh. What is that? wait that can happen i've never even yeah, yeah never that's a real that. yeah brain matter but like, that's, that's why you're not supposed to hold your sneezes in because it blows your brains <laughs> out of your fucking ears that's right <laughs> holy that's shit right. Yeah, i didn't know that's that. the this true, true. <laughs> yeah. that's the true that's the true thing but anyway I, I i ended up kind of like obviously taking the day off and i assumed i was going to go back to work the next day because they were like probably in a week or two you'll be better mm. i woke up the next day i was like had slept for a, a very long time um, which I think is very common after brain injuries. And why I knew I wasn't okay is I woke up and I looked at a chair across the room and the chair was like moving mm. and, and no one was home. And I was like this, like either there's a ghost in my house, which is alarming in its own right, or, <laughs> <laughs> or something's deeply wrong. And so I went to the hospital again and, and they were like, okay, I think this is like a little bit worse than we initially assumed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of did the two weeks of like bed rest. And I slept, I honestly slept nonstop. Like I, I just sat in a dark, well, I laid down in a dark room and just slept. And then I tried to go back to work after the two weeks, which is what they recommend. And I was in a show and very quickly, it was clear. Like I was, I couldn't turn my neck, first of all. Like I couldn't, I could barely just like move it. And I was in so much pain and I was nauseous and all the things that come with a head injury. Like I just couldn't think. And so I went to my doctor after a few days and I was like, you know, the brain clinic told me to go back to work and I, I can't think I'm, I'm just like needing to sleep and I'm all these symptoms. And she's like, okay, no, you can't go back to work. And, and yeah, that was like a process of just going to doctors after doctors for a number of months and just being put on bed rest. And, Mm. and Brendan, um, Brendan, where, where on the scale of like ultra compassionate to, um, to the main character in Chronic's Friends, did you, did you did you sit in this experience? Um, um, basically, like, were you a Brian uh, and like <laughs> compassionate, or like a Taylor and go get the fuck up? Come on. Uh, I, I would say it would it would fluctuate, but uh, just quickly, Laurel actually did pitch an idea of the first days after as the first short idea, and I said nobody wants to watch a girl sleep for ten minutes. Uh, that's not <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing there. Um, you're just oh, you're you just know in what? Bed. There, there's a lid for every pot, and I bet yeah. you there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there, yeah. that would be a hit in some. Websites. I think on those niche, <laughs> those documentary websites we were talking about with the siblings. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> documentary uh, websites. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I think it was a back and forth. When if the thing was that I like I was not like when Laurel for I first heard about it I was always like oh fuck that sucks that's awful um, but assumed. Like most people, and again, because nothing in my life had ever indicated that this could be truly that terrible, 
um, that it was like, okay, she'll be better in a week. And, you know, I think our mom was very much present with Laurel in those early days of helping her out. And, and she would call me and be like, Laurel is not doing well. And I'd be like, Ooh. okay, well, she just got to sleep. It'll be fine. Um, so I kind of vacillated between the, <laughs> between you guys where I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be nice about it. And then two weeks would go by and I'd be like, okay, come on, Laurel. It's time to like, you're, you're completely, this is fine. <laughs> Um, but then getting to visit her and actually see mm, how mm. little she could do. And the fact is, Laurel is um, a very, very dedicated uh, writer and person who doesn't love to sit down and do nothing. Mm. And seeing her be like, I, uh, she's a workaholic is what I'm getting at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which is another issue we can get into. It all stems from our parents. Uh, <laughs> of course. Love but, this mom and dad. Finally. Uh, <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah, yeah, don't we all? Uh, but but the fact that she couldn't work and the fact that she was like, I cannot look at a computer, was when I realized that this is not uh, this is not an easy yeah. situation yeah. for for her. So yeah. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. I am um, one thing that and, and I'll throw this out to both of you because so so I guess I guess for context, we should say so, Laurel, you wrote and produced Chronic. Yes. And and Brendan, you directed it, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. And um, co-produced. And yeah, co-produced. Yeah, All right, yeah. perfect, perfect. So um, one thing that I've been uh, I, I just recently went to this this really incredible conference in Vancouver uh, and it was put on by Children's Healthcare Canada. And the, 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 the main theme of the conference, the main reason they were bringing people together, it was mostly researchers and clinicians, but also patients and their parents. And, um, and it, the, the, the primary theme for the conference was about transitioning from, ad, from pediatric clinics to adult clinics, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is, you know, uh, if you, if, for anyone who is just completely unaware um, which, which is like probably most people and, and I, you know, that's not to like throw shade. It's just, it just yeah. is, um, uh, that's a really, uh, for a lot of people, a really traumatic and really challenging experience. And the way that, you know, the way that I would typically use, uh, try to like relate that so that someone who isn't, who hasn't had that experience could like maybe comprehend it's, you know, for a lot of people, one of the most challenging things that they have done in their life, uh, or like young adults, a lot of people will 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 point to the transition of of leaving their hometown after high school, moving to a new city, and going to a university. Um, and for a lot of people, that's a that is a that is a traumatic experience. It mm-hmm. brings on a host full of of mental health issues, and and it's it's really it's a it's a like high stress sort of time in life. So anyway, the the whole the whole conference was about transitions, but. Um, uh, so I didn't really need to say any of that because what I'm about to say has nothing to do with transitioning, but uh, just for context. So they had a bunch of breakout sessions. And 
one of the breakout sessions that I went to, I found to be really, really fascinating. And it was about specifically the importance of, of seeing, the importance of narratives when it comes to experiencing illness. Um, so basically, like how valuable and important it is and can be for a patient to see themselves represented in media. Um, and this is something that I, that, you know, for years, like I, I've heard people talk about this, whether it be from the perspective of like race or body type or gender. Um, and as a cis white male, you know, it's like, I've, I'm fucking very well represented, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like I have, I have no issues not seeing myself represented in, in media. Some would say over represented. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I didn't even realize was that I, I never actually saw the part of me represented that had to do with my illness, which is a huge part of me, Mm -hmm. but I never even knew that until we went to go see Justin Baldoni's five feet apart, which was like a, you know, a, a hit, um, uh, teen fiction romance drama about two young adults living with CF and fall in love in a hospital. Probably was a banger novella. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I th- actually, I think it was a book, wasn't it? It, it was anyway. Uh, it feels like one of those like ones that are, they're like 95 pages long and oh, have, yeah. like just, bigger print. Just you crush know? it. Yeah. No yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's what well, I said. When we went yeah. to go see the movie, the three of us actually were, we, we had the, the opportunity to go see it screened, um, the premiere screened in LA because we just happened to be there. Nice. And in the midst of the movie, I, I just started weeping. And not because that, not because it was it was a touching scene or something like but that. It, like I was but just, it was. I was just bawling because it was like, oh fuck, oh my god, I get it, I get it now, I get this, I get this thing that I never really truly understood, which was like a a need or a desire to see yourself represented in in some sort of narrative on film. Mm. And when I was at this conference, they were talking about this exact thing. And one of the things that the, basically the thing that came out of it, and I'm going to butcher this because I'm, I'm not a researcher, but there was a whole team of researchers that looked into this exact thing. And, and basically what they came to was like, when patients see themselves represented in media, it, it offers up this, this sense of empowerment to the patient. I mean, this is just one of several things and uh, an empowered patient equals better health health outcomes for said patient, which I thought to be like really, uh, you know, really fascinating. And, and I would, uh, it would be really interesting to like kind of dive into that research and, and have someone on to talk about like, what does that actually mean? And what are mm-hmm. the outcomes? And like, how does that all work? So anyway, all that to say, my question to the two of you is, is like, have you guys, did you guys put much thought into that or, um, or like, what were your thoughts around that or discussions around like the importance of, of making this film um, to to accurately represent the experience of someone living with chronic pain in order to provide this like window for people who've been through what you've been through, Laurel, to see themselves and relate to this thing that they're seeing on film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was very important. Brendan and I talked about this actually extensively because it's something that we both like not to speak for Brendan, but I think we both feel very passionate about um, 
representation across the board, but especially in this area. I think there are certainly chronic pain, chronic illness, chronic disability stories, but they're few and far between, at least to my knowledge. Sure. And yeah. sometimes I think, um, again, not to not to downplay what other people are doing because there's some amazing stories out there. We saw a need for humor and levity to be incorporated into these types of stories because frankly, anyone I know who deals with this type of thing, they usually use humor to like cope, right? Mm -hmm. Some people think maybe that's like defense mechanism and I'm sure part of it is, but also it's just a part of life. Like I think regardless of what your experience is, humor is there to like make life worth living. Mm -hmm. So I think um, in terms of like the larger project, it's something where we want every episode to focus on a different person's lived experience in terms of chronic pain and chronic illness. And you kind of get a tease of that at the end of the short, there's a, a, a support group. Um, mm-hmm. not to not to ruin the film but there is like a group of people that Frankie meets who she feels seen and heard by and I think obviously because a short as we talked about is sort of one idea we had to focus on like one specific story for the actual short film version but I think our desire came from multiple places to obviously like I wanted to probably process some therapeutic emotions <laughs> but mm. also I wanted to share the idea that we can be lead characters of our own stories even if the story feels niche to a lot of people or it's not their lived experience isn't that the beauty of storytelling that we're seeing examples of life that either <clears throat> not everyone experiences or that we've never seen on screen before I think that's kind mm. of a really beautiful invitation yeah I think, yeah sorry go ahead I was just going to say, um, I think we spoke about this off my before, but, you know, as people in the film and television business, you get to a point where, you know, so early it's about just trying to do anything. And then when do you, once you, or at least for me, I, the more I continue on this journey of um, being a director and helping to produce projects, i I want to be actually providing something to folks in the form of connection. Yeah. And I think that that was really the impetus for me to come on board to this project was like, I want to help tell this story because it's important to Laurel and because it is important for other people to see this type of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like the, 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 <clears throat> I, I felt like there was I felt like the short did a really great job of uh, both representing the experience um, of somebody who's like dealing with a chronic condition. Um, but then also I think did a really good job of like holding up the mirror to the people who haven't yeah. um, like in the, in the way of like, like the, the reactions and like the questions from the friend, mm. from the, from the friend group, they, they like, they reminded me, of of like they they were like Michael Scott like so like so over the top clueless mm-hmm. and unaware of like the <laughs> things that you're saying that it's 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 flabbergasting <laughs> and and I feel like that and again it's 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 like there's humor in that and mm-hmm. it's like it's so wild that it is like I think allows will allow people to kind of see how there are shades of those 
reactions to somebody else's experience within them. Like when they deal with people who have had a chronic injury or a chronic illness or something like that, like the way in which like kind of going back to something that we talked about at the beginning of the conversation was like, when you, when you, when it first happens, there's this acute period where you're like overly helpful and overly understanding because I think people have a, do a pretty good job generally of, of going, there's you and then there's this thing. And then over time, those two things start to like become one and people see like, oh, you can't come out. Oh, that's you and not, but really it's like, it's kind of, it's the thing that you're Ooh. dealing with that's influencing you. And so pe- that gets like, that gets intertwined so tightly that people start to see it as, as like an affront because it's the thing that they're doing. Anyway, I'm kind of digressing here, but I thought you did a really good job of, of, of representing the person dealing with the thing, but also holding the mirror up to yeah. the people who haven't. I, yeah, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was one thing that I did want to like uh, kind of mention and talk about, uh, which was, you know, for people who, for people who watch the short, um, which, which again, uh, you can watch it. You could, you could pause it and watch it right now. It's only, it'll only take about 10 minutes of your time. And the link is in the show notes of this episode. But um, the, you know, there's, there's an absurdity mm-hmm. to the friend group with like the, and you know, not to like spoil or anything, but like the, the 24, you know, 24th birthday kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah. That's so absurd. And so, you know, someone might, someone who's never, who, who hasn't been chronically ill or has never really experienced that side of things. Someone might watch that and go, Oh, haha, that's just absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you right now, like after 10 years of doing this, this podcast, it's almost, almost a decade of doing this podcast. I cannot tell you the amount of times where we've heard stories from people who have expressed the fact that they ended up with some sort of diagnosis. They ended up with some sort of chronic illness or some sort of chronic disability. And pretty soon after that experience, all of these people that at one point in time seemed to be very important to them just faded away into the background. And I remember the first time hearing that, like, the first time hearing that over and over again, I just thought to myself, there's no fucking way. Like, is that a thing? Like, who's out there yeah. doing that? But it is so common. And, 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 yeah. and when I heard that and I said, is that a thing? To my, in my mind, I went, that's fucking absurd. Yeah. And it's just as absurd as the hilarious fucking take on the 24th birthday. It's like that as absurd as it is, it's really real for, yeah. for a lot of people. It It's funny too, because Laurel and I like, you know, people watch the short and come back to this because I think this is a moment in somebody's life and there's so many lived experiences. So this is just a, an experience, but for me and to that point that you were just mentioning about it being absurd, um, I did that to a friend. My friend broke her back when she Mm. was 20 years old and I never went to the hospital. Mm. I never visited her. Uh, We just kept partying, kept living our lives, doing our Mm -hmm. thing. And she was out of our lives for a year and a half as she recovered. And then when she, we came back to like into our lives, it was years before I even addressed that and apologized mm. for my behavior. And I never even thought about the connection because I really, I think my um, input on the script at this point was to tell Laurel, I was like, I think this is really about the friendships that they're going to lose here. Mm. Um, to me, that was the moment because it's like, she's going to change. Her life is going to change and all of her friends are not, they're not having the same experience. You know, mm. they're, mm-hmm they're going to continue on in their lives 
And that's what hurts so bad for so many people. At least yeah. that's what I wanted to talk mm. about. Yeah, I think to to touch on Brendan's point, it's like, I think a couple of things. I wanted to touch on the fact that like in life, sometimes we fail each other. And that's not because it's like someone's necessarily a bad person. I think it's a deeply human thing that we don't know how to show up for people um, at some points in our life. And obviously that's why empathy is so important. And I think as we grow up and get older and experience more life, I, I've certainly thought about times where I've like not shown up properly for people or people who haven't shown up properly for me. And I can look at it now, I think with a lot more empathy. Um, but I think it's funny because the filmmaking process is such an interesting thing. We had a version of the script where we softened the friends a little bit more. And in the edit, something about it wasn't working. Like it didn't ring true. Like some those scenes just didn't fit into the film. And so we had what we ended up with a very extreme version of like her friends responding to her, which I don't actually mind because I think it's like, if you think of it, since it is a lot from Frankie's POV, it's like her headspace, like she's in such a vulnerable position that I think, yes, the friends did respond this way, but it's also like, mirroring that crushing sense of pain when someone fails us mm -hmm. and i i think the other consideration is yeah these people have never i i really think that none of these friends have ever had anything worse than maybe a breakup <laughs> in their yeah, lives yeah, right. yeah and so if it was a breakup i think they would be very like supportive they'd be you know buying <laughs> yeah. their shots i get it we don't get it we don't we like i think there's a Again, this is a lived experience thing. There's a time in people's lives where the idea, the consideration that a body and brain can change potentially forever and be impacted and um, that capacity can change even on a daily basis as we're talking about is unfathomable to mm -hmm. people. Like they mm -hmm. don't get that, right? It's really interesting because like we oftentimes hear, I mean, so Jer will, will ask most of our guests at the end of, a conversation guests who are sick um what is the 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 biggest thing that your illness has taken away from you and what has it given you and most of the time when we ask what has it given you people will say perspective mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think it, it's so common that that is the answer that i sometimes take it for granted myself in hearing that um but i think what you're talking about too is is that perspective that perspective of like oh i've been here i understand now that situation that that other person is dealing with and now I can actually properly empathize with them in a way that if I didn't experience this illness myself, I might not actually be able to connect with them or understand or feel com compassionate in that situation. Mm -hmm. 100%. I had this experience years and years ago, Bri, when we were working at the Trade Center. Actually, I, I, well, whatever. Who cares when we were, who I was working with? I was working at the, job. At the trade Good job, self-editing. I like that. <clears throat> I was, uh, thank you. I mean, I don't have to go uh, back and cut it out. That's right. I was, working at the, I was working at the trade center doing catering and we were in the break room and I worked with this woman who was from Iraq and she had been living in Canada for like maybe 15 years or something like that. Um, spent, but she was in her forties. So she had spent the majority of her life uh, in Iraq and was there through like 2001, 2002, like the, the, uh, like American, um, occupation of Iraq. And, um, and I remember having this thing, this conversation we were just having, and, and we're talking about 
how I was, I was talking about how experience is relative Mm -hmm. and how, how, you know, a a third party, a third party viewer could, I, I said something to the effect of like, you know, to a kid who gets their Xbox taken away. Which Oof. is basically you at that Oof. time as an 18 year old. Uh, well, maybe like, <laughs> maybe like five or six years prior to that. It's like, it's like to that kid, relative to their experience, that might be the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that's them going, life is fucking over. Like I yeah. just got my Xbox taken away, you know, and because for that kid in this, you know, made up scenario, everything has been you know, daisies and sunflowers for this, for this kid. So relative to their experience, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened. And I was like, and I was basically saying, it's crazy how, how relativism can, can be so wild, like how that can be the worst experience for somebody. And she got really mad at me because she was like, she was like, well, I, like I live through this and like, I've been near bombs that went off. And I was like, kind of like, Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was going exactly. It's like that is objectively from like my perspective as a third party on this. That is horrific. That is a horrific human experience. Nobody should ever go through that. And it's crazy how to a kid who gets lo- who loses their Xbox, who has never been through anything hard in their entire life, how those two things can be comparable to yeah. that kid. Yeah. I, I, and it I, feels so, the same. Totally. Even though it's like, you know, from an objective <laughs> perspective, it's obviously not. But to that person, do you think it can that, feel that is that true, way. though, in the sense that, like, that, like, do you, because then we're assuming that there's no, that I, I understand what you're saying in terms of relative. Obviously, I I'm making what you're the, saying, I'm making the, but, like, from the experience but do you think of it's the emotion? possible that that is not true in the sense that, like, maybe that that person has a capacity that hasn't been unlocked yet to, like, feel something in and even, exactly, but they don't know that yet. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I agree. Right, but whether or not they know does it does it feel the same? Does it feel the same? Do we know that? They for don't sure? know. Do you don't do you see what I'm saying? It, yeah, it, it until doesn't matter. they unlock it doesn't that, matter, right? Until it, they unlock it, yeah. they don't know. Yeah, it's like you you have to think about like but I, your yeah, world I, view, right? It, it it really doesn't matter. What did you if they what do, did you then say your therapist said? That's right. Yeah, can you both? And so like and so in the in your in your film, it's like, you know. To, and I, that's all coming up for me uh, from the perspective of the friend group of going, we haven't been there. We haven't yeah. been there yet. Like we can't put ourselves. It's very hard for them. Yeah. Nigh on impossible for this like 23 going on 24 group of <laughs> uh, group of young girls to 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 step into the shoes of their friend who's had this experience because Ooh. relative to their experience, it's like the breakup in their in in their world is probably the, you know, the the hardest, biggest thing that they've gone through. Um, and I just find that that's just a fascinating, like human experience thing. I, I want to come back to something that you were saying earlier, Laurel, about, um, uh, using humor as a sort of coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I, it's interesting because I haven't really thought about this until you brought up that point that there are a lot of people who go through really challenging times, use humor, um, to sort of cope with the experience that they're dealing with. And I would say you know, proportionately to the amount of people who are sick that we've spoken to who um, use that, that it there's not a one-to-one representation of that humor in that illness experience mm-hmm. in media. It's just like, yes. it's almost like yeah. it never exists yes. there in that sense, even though in reality, it's such a common experience for someone who is yeah. sick. And I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. And I'm also curious about... Um, if you have any examples of how 
you sort of identified humor in your um, experience in dealing with your your brain injury. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I think there's such a place for humor, whether it's like in media or just in life. Like, I think the fact that we can laugh, it's like, again, I don't know the science behind it, but I'm pretty sure it's like a stress reliever. Like you literally release stress relieving hormones. I'm pretty sure when you laugh. And so it's like this gift that we have to have the pressure relief um, or pressure release valve kind of thing um, mm. just available to us. And also, I think in the darkest moments, I certainly find that I could be having the worst day of my life and just sort of zoom out and look at it and be like, this is so ridiculous and funny oh, yeah. at the same time. Like, yeah. I remember um, I started going on walks after my injury. I don't know when it was, like eight weeks out, and I could kind of do like five minutes and I'd like go home and sleep for eight hours. <laughs> mm. Um, but one day I made it, like I finally made it to like 15 minutes and I was like, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. And then I stepped in dog poop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's fucking funny. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. There's yeah. just something, something good about that. Um, but yeah, I think this is like kind of a, a, a tangent, but related. Um, one of your guests, uh, Andrew Henderson Mm-hmm. was one of my best friends mm-hmm. no shit yeah 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 you never what? said yeah. you never did you, you never told us that that's I, amazing. I i did i i knew this but i i didn't even think to make the make the the connection there yeah. oh my for god sure, for sure yeah. i mean like what a and it's funny because i was listening to the episode the other day with andrew which was such a joy like thank you what a <laughs> yeah. gift for everyone but yeah. especially like all the people who like knew him and yeah. loved him like that episode but i think honestly for me that was like a huge moment i think for all of my friend group of switching the thinking of being like sort of horrible things can happen in life and it's not to say that some days you're not like raging against that it's not to say that some days you want don't want things to be different or you're just angry about all these things but you can also have humor and that can be the darkest like you know uncomfortable humor or it can just be like laughing at the absurdity of this strange existence like why yeah. are we here really on the deep on the deepest level I'm, i feel like as a person i'm constantly asking yeah. i was talking i was talking to my therapist about this last week uh, um she she said in the middle of our session i was talking about something really challenging for me and she said do you notice that you um smile and laugh um often when you're talking about something really difficult and I was like, "Whoa, fuck!" <laughs> uh, I've noticed that you're whoa. doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "That's that's really yeah. interesting." And she's like, um, "She's like, I just read a study actually about." She was telling me that she had she had read about how um, this is an experience that people who either really care about what other people think or are empathetic are trying to bring comfort in a situation that they know is hard. And so they're like worried about everybody else. So they're mm. like, like, okay, like I understand that this is really hard about me. Crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like you, because you're trying to make somebody feel more comfortable in a situation. Mm. And, and I told her about this experience that I had that this made finally made sense when she had said this to me was this experience when I was 16 and, and um, my friend was hit by a car and died. Mm. And when I was told the news, um, I, I laughed. And, and I, at first I had, I had 
thought to myself, like I laughed because I was in disbelief and I didn't believe it. Um, but I remember feeling really guilty after doing that because I was like, why did I like, why mm. did I laugh? That's gross. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, but I think the feeling was this like involuntary, like I'm so overwhelmed with this bad news that the only thing I know how to do is try to like, like stimulate some sort of sense of like relief or calmness and laughter is something that I think counter acts this like really intense feeling that I'm feeling. Um, which was really interesting to me because I think that I think in a sense that almost made me feel like laughter was an antidote. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that it could make me feel better and, it, and also can make other people feel better through sharing that. It's so funny. You guys bring this up too. And I'm just thinking about the fact that you have this podcast where you three friends joke and discuss all of this. So like to the point you're making before about the representation, not being one-to-one in the media, I think your show is a prime example of like trying to shift that away. And I think we're trying to do it with our show and hopefully we'll get the opportunity to do it on a bigger scale. Um, Because I think ultimately like you, your point about your friend and you laughing and you saying, Oh, I don't think I'm supposed to do that is like, no, it's all valid. These are all valid experiences. We're not, not, there's not one form of emotion that we're supposed to have in any of these experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we get tired of seeing in movies, or at least Mm -hmm. what we'd like to see more less or more variety of is the types of experiences we can have in sickness in, Mm -hmm. in what it means to live with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. If, if, if that scene where I laughed and that was a, was a movie, I feel like that would be edited out. They would be looking at that and they'd be like, oh no, but that person doesn't feel like that. And that they're not going to laugh there. That's weird. It looks like they're breaking character. Like that they should be sad. They should be crying. This, Mm. this emotion doesn't make sense for this. Or it's like a scene from like, like, like the past. And then, and which gives context as to why they turned out to be the green goblin or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 They deserve that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense though. Cause it's like, you're also in shock. I, I just, to, I mean, just to empathize again, maybe this is my own, like trying to make people feel comfortable situation, but it's like at, you know, at funerals and things like that, I totally laughed my head off. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's also like the shock. It's like your body. I don't know. I also don't really love like crying in front of people. Not that I can honestly choose it because I'm, I am like kind of a big crier to be quite honest with you. Yeah, like, I feel you. Okay, great. Love it. Um, but like, sometimes I get like mad. I'm like, I don't want to cry here. I don't know why. Mm. Probably. I mean, I'll go to therapy after this to figure this out. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's something about just needing to have a response. And it's also like, it's absurd, I think, to touch on like death for a second, which, yeah, I'm, I'm just like making this episode heavy, but I like it. I like going there. Um, we do it's too. like, it's absurd that one day people are here and the next second they're not there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's an absurd thing. And the same with, you know, all, all the things about life, like why someone has an accident, why someone's born and having to deal with the beauty of the challenges and the hard part of a challenge, like the challenges, I don't know if I'm Mm -hmm. saying that right, but like, you understand what I'm saying, like why we have to experience this pain and this hilarity in life. It's just, I think as a human being, I'm constantly being like, why, 
why not not in a bad way just like curious i'm just genuinely mm. curious mm -hmm. to the absurd point about like someone being here at one point and and then not you know the next day i i oftentimes think about uh moments where i'm like getting out of my car and and go to close the door and turn around and and maybe almost trip and fall down and i think about <laughs> in that moment like what if i what if that's how i died like what if yeah. i tripped and fell and got run over like wouldn't that be i imagine that like there's this like moment in the in this like world after after death where you get to look back on how you died and you're like oh fuck that was man i died in a really dumb way that's, yeah. that's so sad i'm just gonna be so embarrassed when my friends get here and they they find out kinda that like it happened way, like that like, like fuck kind of like the way that like you get to like get a brain injury and like yeah. look back on it and go like oh man <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. That's how I wrote. I wrote a. I wrote a one act play uh, that that got produced at a Katy University. It was about a guy who, uh, who he gets to the pearly gates, uh, and Saint Peter is like, "Yo, uh, uh, welcome to heaven. Uh, before you go in, we just got to review your life." And so he puts in a VHS tape, and they review his life, and uh, they get up to the moment where he dies, and he he died by um, sucking his own dick. Uh, he just, he, he, he got stuck, choked, asphyxiated and died. And, uh, and, and that's why he wasn't allowed into heaven because, uh, because, uh, and, and he was like, but that's not a sin. And he was like, no, it's not. But like, they kept this out of the Bible, but like all the apostles were really great at sucking their own dicks and Jesus couldn't. And so he was just like, anyone who sucks their own dick down there, not coming in here, not allowed to the party. So if you guys are looking for your next big idea, yeah, I got, I, mean, lots, I, got I got lots of them. That is what we like call a... IP. Guys, this has been an absolute delight, um, yeah. and and as was watching Chronic, which uh, congratulations. We I, I should have said this at the top, but Chronic was the winner of Best Film at the uh, Great Canadian Comedy Festival, and it was also the official selection of Lost Comedy Film Festival. Portland Comedy Film Festival, which also was a finalist for Best Dark Comedy, the LA Comedy Festival, the Austin Comedy Festival, also a finalist for Best Dark Comedy, and BAFTA Qualifying Superfest Disability Film Festival. Uh, it seems like this thing just had legs, has legs, still walking. It is yep. on YouTube now. You can watch it right now. You can find the link in the show notes of this episode. Uh, guys, love, love, love the fact that we got to talk about your work, but also love the fact that we got, you know, an hour to just catch up and yeah. uh it's so nice to see your beautiful faces and keep doing the work that you're doing because uh this like we said this kind of representation is extraordinarily important and thank you. Uh, and this has been just a real treat so thank you guys so much yeah thank, thank you, you guys it's so fun that is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even Better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sipper.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.